good to uh, worship the Lord together. A lot of things we, we can disagree on in the body of Christ, often do. But something about worship draws us together. We all seem to be able to come together around the throne of God and acknowledge that He is great, He is holy, He is worthy of our praise. That unites us. And I just sense that, even His Spirit among us tonight in worship. And I trust that He will speak to us tonight out of His Word. Let me pray and ask His blessing on our time of study here in 1 Timothy. Father, I do want to thank You for the presence of Your Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful tonight, Lord, that Jesus, as You promised, when You when You left Your disciples and went on to be crucified, later resurrected, and then ascended up into heaven, You You promised that you would not leave your disciples nor us as orphans, but that you would send to us the Holy Spirit, and that he would come and comfort us. You called him the comforter, the paraclete, the one called alongside to help. I'm so grateful tonight, Lord, that when we gather together, we sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. We do sense your Spirit among us. You are here among us. You are with us. And I am thankful that not only are you with us, but you are in us and overflowing. Uh, Out of our bellies flow rivers of living water that overflow of the Spirit. So grateful, Lord. We would just ask a continuation of your Spirit among us now as we look to your Word that you would speak to us tonight, Lord. We don't want to just study the words of men. We want to study what we believe is the words of God that which was inspired by God, penned by men, but inspired and delivered to us by the Lord. And so we welcome welcome your, you to speak to us tonight, God, and we, we give full attention to this word now, and we ask your blessing upon it in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, we're working our way through the book of 1 Timothy. We find ourselves tonight beginning chapter 5, start in verse 1. The church, or the the gathering of believers, has many different representations in the Bible, many different analogies that are given throughout the Scripture. Church is called sometimes the body of Christ, and we're likened to a body, each part having a different members, but each part having an important part to play. And a variety of other types of analogies that, that the Lord gives to kind of give this idea of how the church comes together and functions. And uh, tonight what we'll see is that another part of what the Lord often refers to as his church is as a family. We call one another brothers and sisters in Christ, even though we're not all biologically brothers and sisters. Spiritually, we're, we're family because we've been adopted in to the family of God. And tonight we're going to look through uh, at least the, the first half of this chapter, and Paul begins to speak to Timothy about taking care of business, if you will, within the family, spiritual family business, spiritual family matters would be our study tonight. And just like in any family, sometimes, even in the spiritual family, there are times when people need correction. So our first 
look here at the first couple of verses tonight, Paul gives Timothy instruction on how to correct those in the family. Because inevitably it happens where we do have to correct family members. And Paul gives some good instruction here. Verse 1 and 2, Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity. Remember, Timothy was a young man. Uh, we don't know exact his exact age, but in other, other places, Paul encourages Timothy, don't let anyone look down upon your youthfulness. Clearly, he was younger than some of the members within his congregation, as is the case in many congregations. I'm, I'm younger than some of you here tonight. I'm older than others, but uh, I'm somewhere in the middle, right? Just right. You know. So, Timothy, Paul gives Timothy some instruction, some practical instruction. Listen, there may be times, Timothy, as a pastor, someone who's called to tend to the flock there in Ephesus, there may be those that are older than you that you may sometimes have to correct. But I want you to do it in a certain manner, in a certain spirit, so that, number one, they can receive it, and that you can also do it and minister it in love. And I think that's the guiding principle here as we look at these, these thoughts, is that God... In family, we're supposed to treat one another with love. We're supposed to love one another. That doesn't always happen in families, and we sometimes don't treat one another lovingly. But even sometimes when there's family squabbles, beneath that there is still deep-rooted love for one another. And that's that's what God expects in the house, in his house as well, his family. So when... Timothy has opportunity to correct an older brother, uh, someone older in the Lord, even possibly, but he's supposed to do it in, lo- in a loving, gentle way. This word rebuke it means to, to correct somebody with sharp, harsh words. And he's, he's telling Timothy, that's not the right way to correct. Uh, older men need to have a certain respect. The Bible teaches this throughout the Bible, that, that those that are older are to be respected. They are to be honored. Children are to honor parents. Uh, we are to honor the, the wisdom of the older ones. They are to receive honor. So even in ministry, we need to be respectful to those that are older. Don't rebuke them sharply, harshly, but rather appeal to them. It says exhort him as a father. And that word exhort, also translated appeal or encourage or entreat or admonish. Interestingly enough, that's the, the, the Greek word there is parakaleo. And if you know, when Jesus promised, I referred to it even tonight in my prayer, when Jesus promised that he would send the Holy Spirit, he said, I'm going to send to you the comforter. I'm going to send to you the paraclete. It's taken, it's got the same Greek word here that Paul is saying, this is the way you need to admonish or exhort your older brethren in the Lord. And that, that, that sense of comforting them. You're not, you know, straightening them out, but rather you're looking to come alongside and strengthen them. You know, if, they, if, if someone gets off course, you're not to go and beat them back on course. You're to kind of come alongside and say, hey, brother, we need to be going over there. We're detoured here. Let's together get back on course. And I come alongside and strengthen my brother. I come alongside 
and admonish him, encourage him, and treat him. And that's the picture of the Holy Spirit, the comforter. Jesus said he's the one that's called alongside to help. You're going to be walking through this life, and the Holy Spirit is going to come alongside, put his arm under your shoulder there, and come on, brother, this is the way. And he begins to lead and strengthen you and help you along the journey. That's the picture here that Paul says. When you, when you need to correct an older brother, do it in that way. Come alongside, strengthen them. Just as the way, in the way that the Holy Spirit would come alongside and strengthen us. If you need to correct a younger man, correct him as a brother, not as you being over them, but as one equal to them. One of the things that we try to do as parents is we try not to play favorites, right? Amongst our children. I mean, that's, and that is an, that's an important thing. We have four kids and, and, you know, that takes a little strategy because, you know, you do a little something for this one, the other one feels a little left out, and so it takes some work on parenting to let, hey, we, we, you guys are equal in the family. You're not, you're, we don't favor one above the other, and we don't, you know, disfavor one above the other. Some seem to get in trouble more than others, and they begin to wonder if they're, if they're the black sheep of the family, but the truth is, as parents, we love them the same. And that's the way God feels about His children. He loves them the same. You and I think that, man, God, that one certainly can't be one of your favorites, you know. But the truth is God God loves us all the same. And so when we have to correct one another, we have to keep that in mind. God, God's, you, if God gives you a position of leadership, maybe you're a parent, maybe some ministry capacity, and you have the, the unfortunate um, task of having to correct someone, just remember, you are no better than them. You are equal before the Lord. God has given you insight as to the way that you should be going, and you need to restore that brother in love so that you can walk together. It's not about being in charge. It's not about being the spiritual big shot or dictator. Or I'm the big boss around here. That's why they call me pastor. You know, and um, I hope you'll never hear me say stuff like that. <laughs> Um, but there are times when you have to correct, and it has to be done. You can't shy away from the responsibility, but Paul is giving some good instruction here on the attitude. And, you know, Paul's writing to Timothy. Timothy is a pastor at this church at Ephesus that he's, he's writing to. But truthfully, these principles apply to all of us, don't they? I mean, even within our own families, even as parents, even as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we there's times when we have to correct one another. It needs to be done gently and in love. How many of you find that it's 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 hard to take correction, no matter how it comes? And it's really hard when somebody's just obnoxious about it, right? You idiot. You know, what were you thinking, right? Well, I don't care what I was thinking, but I'm not taking correction from you. You know, I may have been wrong, but I'm, you know, you're not going to straighten me out with that attitude, right? So Paul is encouraging Timothy, listen, as a minister and those that, that are in the spiritual family, when we have to correct one another, we have to do it gently. We have to do it in love. We have to do it if it's a, even a younger man, we, we treat them as an equal. An older woman, we treat them as a mother. We know the Bible says to honor your father and mother. So we would correct older women with, with, with a sense of honor and respect. Younger women as sisters, again, not looking down them. And he goes on to say, with all purity. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a little bit of wisdom right there that 
Paul's giving Timothy, look, Timothy, if you have to correct or minister to a younger woman, make sure you do it in purity. A lot of many, many a spiritual counseling session has gone awry when you have someone, a, a, a pastor, a man counseling a younger woman and, you know, we get off the spiritual topics and we get on to, by the way, you know, what are you doing Friday night? You know, <laughs> uh, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, do it with all purity. Let there be nothing, you know, unhealthy in your motive. And that's a, that's a caution for all of us. In fact, we're careful, uh, need to be careful, men, when we counsel women. Uh, we're married, best to have our wives if we're going to be counseling women. If we need to counsel with women, we need to do it, you know, in a, in a very careful way because you just don't, God hasn't called, you know, men to be mentoring younger women. The older women are supposed to mentor the younger women. But there may be times when men, pastors, those in ministry do have to correct even a younger woman. Paul said, make sure you do it in purity. There's things that you can do to protect yourself there as well, practically. So Paul gives instruction on how to administer correction within the family. He also talks about care. And specifically, he's going to talk about caring for widows here in verses 3 through 8. And we'll see a little bit of the Lord's heart here. Let's read verse 3 through 8, and then we'll come back and comment on it. Honor widows who are really widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. For this is good and acceptable before God. Now she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And these things command that they may be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. First thing under this idea of Paul giving instruction on how to care for widows is just that. You need to care for widows. Verse 3, honor widows. That word honor could mean not only um, ministering to them, you know, spiritually, emotionally, but probably financially. There were, in that culture, when a, when a woman lost a husband and if she was up in, up in years, she just had no way to provide for herself. So, the church, those that are believers, you can't, you know, you see those in need in, amongst you. This is now part of your family. We want to reach out and care for those. And the church has obligation to consider those that need that kind of assistance. He goes on to talk about, you know, what type of widow would qualify, and we'll get at that in a moment. But I want to just give you a few verses here, because I want you to understand something about the heart of God. God is very concerned about those cannot help themselves. We sing that song, you're a defender of the weak, uh, help those in need. God is watching over those that cannot watch over for themselves, orphans, widows. You see this throughout the scriptures. I'll just give you just a few samplings out of, out of the word of God, quote some things to you. Deuteronomy 10, verse 17 and 18 says this, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless 
and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. God, in describing himself, yes, he's holy, yes, he's awesome, yes, he's mighty, but he also cares about the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Psalm 68, verse 5, concerning the Lord, he is a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. Psalm 146 and verse 9, the Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked he turns upside down. The heart of God is concerned for those that are in need. Widows in this, in Paul's culture, but widows in our culture as well. And orphans, those children without parents and have lost that natural relationship that is so important in the life of the child. If we're going to be um, if, if we're going to be the church of the living God, we have to embrace those things that are on his heart. We can't just, you know, kind of get um, comfortable, if you will, coming on Sundays and Wednesdays, we're reading the Word and we go out to our jobs and we come in and we worship, we get charged up spiritually and we, go, and we come and we go and, and I want you to keep coming and going, but you understand, something of God's heart needs to become the heart of the church. And that's why we look for opportunities to minister amongst ourselves and we've had testimonies of people that have had needs in a great time of crisis and the church has come alongside and helped. We're a small church still, so we don't have a lot of resources. We don't have, you know, a whole uh, ministry set aside for orphans and things like this. But our heart needs to be ever looking to what for ways to respond to those needs that God will bring to us. And God, God will bring the needs. The needs are out there. We need God's wisdom to show us and to direct us. But our heart is, Lord, we want to respond. That's what we want. That's part of what we want going on in this church. We want to be responsive to the needs of the fatherless and the widow, those that need help, Lord. We want to respond to that. We were down in Tijuana, and we were responding to the needs of the, the fatherless and the widow. We were handing out food. We were handing out clothing. We were, you know, the, the people were giving of their time just cutting hair. And you saw some of these, you know, people coming through, and they just getting haircuts. Dr. Ray was there with a medical team, free medical care, helping those in need. They don't have the resources to get these things. There was a dentist from Calvary La Mirada down there doing, you know, dental work. And it was awesome to see all these people just giving of their time and serving. And, you know, we got a little sunburn, Dave and I, but man, we had a good time just out there. And Renee was there, you know, we were bagging food and, you know, making sure they had enough jalapeno peppers in each bag and peppers were flying and potato. I mean, it was just, but you know, it was, it was really enjoyable just to serve like that, kind of roll your sleeves up. And these people coming through were blessed. We have a heart for those in India. And we've taken a mission trip there. And we now, as a church, send resources to the pastors there. And we know that what these pastors are doing is a good work, spiritually and socially. I mean, they have an orphanage there. They're, they're reaching out to the, to the poor. And there are plenty of poor in India as well. So that's the heart of God. It needs to be the heart of the church. Paul is sowing that into Timothy, the leader. Timothy, make sure that your church is taking care of those that need this kind of care. Now, he goes on to talk about 
those that would receive this kind of care and those that would not. And, and even though God instructs us to care, He also instructs us to be careful with our resources. Well, let's look at that. I want to look verse 4 through 8. You begin, you know, not, just because someone's a widow doesn't mean that they are now under the social uh, support of the church. No, Paul gives some instruction on this. If any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety, or that is to show, uh, to do their duty at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. If there is a widow among you, but she has family that can take care of her, then the family needs to take care of her. If her children are alive and doing well, the children need to take care of the widow. The mom's a widow now. This is what this is good and acceptable before the Lord. God is not the church is not to be the social rescue for those that have means from through their own family. The resources of the church need to be um, governed very carefully. They need to be used very wisely. There's a stewardship. We don't just oh yeah somebody needs money sure write them a check. No. Do you can you can you work? If you can't, you know, do you know someone that can help you? Do you have family? I mean, is there, there are social services in the government, in our case, that can help you? I mean, we need to explore what other options of help might be available to you, not because we're stingy, but we, we want to be good stewards of what God gives the church. church. The church resources are limited also. So God is expecting family to take care of parents, right? I mean, parents raise their children and provide and nurture and feed and educate and Ooh, that education, it gets expensive. I'm, I'm hoping that my kids, when I, when I need help, I hope they're there because they've, I've invested quite a bit, right? And, and that's God's plan is that when parents grow older, those, the children then also honor the father and mother and take care of them. So Paul points out, don't, don't be, uh, don't be providing for widows that have, um, family members that should be taking care of them already. Now, verse 5, now she who is really a widow and left alone, now he talks about spiritually what what one would look for. This we're, The church is not to be taking care of just all widows in the community, but we're looking for those widows that are really a part of the church, a part of the family. They have to be first in priority. And he begins to give some description here concerning what those widows would look like. She is a widow and left alone. She trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. This is a woman that's spiritual, someone who is committed to the church, someone who is a believer within the fellowship, not just come float in and looking for a handout. No, this is somebody who is de- who is a part of the church, praying in the church, ministering in the church. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. In other words, someone who is not spiritual, but living carnally, even though she may be a widow, she's not living for the Lord. Well, you know, she's not entitled to the church to come alongside and really assist her. These things command that they may be blameless. Teach these things, Timothy. Tell the church these things. We're, we, we need to care for widows, but we want to use the resources wisely. And we want to make sure that we're taking care of those that are spiritually active in the church. Now, it's okay for the church to reach out and to, and to do other things. 
But that's that's not the church's obligation. The church is obligated to take care of those within her her family that are in real need. But those, and if we want to reach out into the community, if we want to feed the homeless, those things, you know, that that even though they don't fellowship, even though they, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And God may lead us to do that. We have done some of that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But there is something wrong if we have those in the spiritual house that are truly committed and members of the church that are just not making it and we're not coming alongside to help. That is something that we are obligated to. We're not obligated to feed all of Monrovia, but we are obligated to look after one another. Amen? And that's what Paul is instructing here for Timothy to, to take consideration of. Verses 9 through 16. And we'll close with this, these, this, this next passage. Talked about correction. We talked about care. I want to talk about contribution. This is a contribution of widows who now, they're what their ministry, he's on the subject of widows. He talks about those that the church should be caring for. He also, now he's going to talk about what widows can contribute to the life of the church. So this is flowing back towards the church. And this is the way, this is the way God works. God, it's, it's a two-way street. The church ministers and those that are in the church minister to the life of the church. That's how the church is healthy. Each one contributing. Do not let a, oh, I'm sorry, did I skip verse eight? Um, if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Paul is reaffirming what he's already mentioned. Hey, children, take care of your parents. If you're not willing to take care of your own family, you're not willing to take care of your own household, you're worse than an unbeliever. Do you know that even non-Christians take care of their family? Don't you know even unbelievers take care of their parents? How much more so Christians should be taking care of their family and not looking to place their family members as a burden to the church, right? So he, he just reaffirms that in verse 8. Now he talks about ministry from widows back into the church. Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, and not unless she has been the wife of one man. This taken into the number. Um, apparently there was a, a list, and widows could be named on this list. Now this is not a list of the widows that would be receiving support from the church, because he goes on to talk about these widows as being uh, hospitable to strangers, and, and, and widows that don't have any support can't be hospitable and, and take care of others, right? So he's not talk, he's not talking, this list is not talking about widows that need support, rather this is a list of widows who have been identified as those that can have ministry in the church, just like we would acknowledge a, a, a deacon or teacher, a youth leader, a pastor, we identify certain people and say, okay, you have opportunity to minister and serve in the church. So these, there was a list, a number, if you will, a list of widows who, through certain qualifications, you are someone that we would love to see serving in the church here. As an, an older widow, we want you to have ministry here in the church, and we identify you. That's what we believe this list is about. And he's now going to tell you what those qualifications are. Who can be put on that list? First of all, uh, do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number. Well, obviously, Paul is looking for those who have maturity, age, 
in the, in Paul's time when this was written, 60 was considered to be the retirement age. Today we might consider that 65. So this is a time when, when a woman might have more time on her hands. Retirement age during the culture, she would have time, she would have maturity, she would have some character, reputation. She would be available to serve. So Paul's saying, find those that have time available to serve and put them on the number, put them on the list. Not unless she has been the, the wife of one man. We've talked about this before. This is not necessarily meaning that she was only married to one man during her entire life. Because Paul, we're going to find out, Paul encourages widows to remarry. Younger widows remarry. So that would be a contradiction, right? Only let widows that have only had one husband serve. But you younger widows, I encourage you to get remarried. So that's not what he, he's talking more about faithfulness and loyalty, that they were a one-man woman. Only let widows that were faithful in their marriage. They may have been married, their husband died. They may have remarried and that husband died. That they've, so they've actually had two husbands, but they were whenever they were married, they were faithful and they were loyal to that one husband. It's not talking about marital status as, it, as much as it is moral character. We saw that back when we looked at qualifications for elders, bishops, and deacons. Well, verse 10, well reported for good works. If she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. These are the qualifications that Paul is looking for for those that would be put on the list. Uh, well reported for good work. She has a reputation. We've talked about this before. Ministry is not something that, that happens when we say, okay, uh, we're now um, giving you ministry. Ministry is something that's already flowing out of a person's life. They've already been ministering in the church, so they already have a reputation for good works. We're now just simply acknowledging that God has given you ministry in, among us. Brought up children. A lot of the ministry that uh, that the older women were called to do was to mentor some of the younger women. So Paul was looking for women that had experience raising children because guess what? A lot of young women need help raising their children, and older women can pass on that wisdom. It's just a, it's a, a practical experience that would qualify the widows for this particular ministry list. If she has lodged strangers, again, that uh, heart for um, for the needy, lodging strangers, gender, generous with her resources. She's washed the saints' feet. There were, there may have been some who literally washed feet. Paul may have also just been talking figur figuratively concerning the humble servant heart. That she is needy. She, she tends to the needs of the brothers and sisters. She's, she's always serving the body. If she has relieved the afflicted, she's drawn to needs. She's drawn to those that are hurting and she's shown that she's able to help them. If she has diligently followed every good work, diligently, that in my mind shows that it, it, there's, uh, there's a pattern there, consistent. She's been faithful. She's consistently doing these things. 
This is what Paul is looking for, for those that would minister. Again, I don't believe that it's talking about those that would be receiving financial support because those that need financial support can't really lodge strangers. They can't really be hospitable and help and relieve some of the afflicted. This is ministry that, that they actually use their resources in ministry. And Paul is saying those can be qualified as leaders. But refuse the younger widows, verse 11. Now he's going to talk about those that should not be included in this type of ministry. Refuse the younger widows, for when they have begun to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry. Don't put someone too young on this list because um, she's going to want to get remarried. This, the, the idea of this list is for those that can really serve and be available time and substance for ministry, and a younger widow is going to want to be remarried. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, Paul is going to encourage that. But he's saying that's don't put them in this class of ministry because practically they're they're you know they may say, Oh, I just want to serve the Lord now. They may in their heart want that, but in time they're going to grow desiring to be married again. And verse twelve, having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. He doesn't want these Young women to say, oh, I want to serve. I want to be faithful. I'm going to do this ministry. I don't want, I'm never going to get married again. I'm just going to devote myself to the Lord. And they make this commitment. And you know, sometimes when we're young and zealous, we make these promises, right, to God. And what Paul is saying, <laughs> Paul's been around a while. I know how this works, guys. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 your, your husband's died. You're, you're young and you, that was the love of your life and you never think you're going to ever, it'll never happen again and you're just going to serve the Lord and the church forever. But you know what? I've seen minister, I've seen people's lives, you know, two or three years, five years, ten years from now, you'll still be a young woman and you'll meet this wonderful Christian man in church and guess what? You're going to want to get married. You're going to, you know, you're going to want to start, you're still young enough to start a family or have a, continue a family. So you're going to get you're going to, but then you're going to be wrestling. You're going to feel the condemnation of, oh, but I made a promise and I can't. And now you're going to be all stressed out over your own, you know, a promise made when you were younger. And Paul's saying, no, don't. I don't want to see people bound up in this. I want you to be, you know, serve in the capacity that that uh, you can as a younger woman. But don't make this commitment that is reserved for some of these older widows who are really ready to devote themselves to this work. Goes on. And besides, you know, he talks some about some of the pitfalls that, that that younger women, and this would just be younger, immature believers, can fall into when when they're younger. They they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. Sometimes even ministry can turn into this kind of uh, busybody type of stuff. Many a church split has started with prayer meeting. We're calling a special prayer meeting. <laughs> got to pray about what's going on in the church. And it starts, you know, even maybe spiritually motivated. But what was intent, what was supposed to be a prayer meeting turns into a kind of a gripe session yeah, we need to pray about this. Oh, I agree, man. I don't know why they're doing that. I don't know what's wrong with the pastor. We ought to be praying for that. Oh, yeah. Well, did you hear this? Well, no. I didn't know. Well, we need to pray about that. And uh, this prayer meeting turns into a gossip session. Paul's warning. This is, this can happen when some, too many, too, 
Some people have too much time and they want to be ministering and they're running around all come pray with you and have ministry over here. Paul's saying a little bit of that can is okay. Some, too much of that can cause problems in a church. People get busy. They become busy bodies and they become gossips and they start speaking and talking about things they shouldn't even be talking about. Verse 14, Therefore I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Some have already turned aside after Satan. If any unbelieving man or woman has widows, let him relieve them. Excuse me, if any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them and do not let the church be burdened that it may may relieve those who are really widows. He finishes up, therefore, young women, the best is, God, God willing, that you would find a husband and remarry. This is God's the family. It doesn't always work out, and, and, and it's not like we're you're under some, you know, guilt or obligation. If you, you know, feeling that you know I have to get married, I've got to get married again. Um, but this is God's general plan. Generally, God is plan. God's plan is that we would get married, as young people, have families, raise children, manage the home. That's God's general idea. For, for the church, and that's gen- God's general idea for humanity. God is the, the family unit is where God blesses and works. So Paul's simply saying, well, these younger women, you're not ready to devote yourselves to this type of ministry. God's already given you ministry. Here's your contribution to the body of Christ. Be a godly mother, you know. Be a godly wife. You know, serve where you can until God raises up a husband, you know, and I don't want to discourage anybody. I know we have some single mothers here. We have single women here that are young enough. And But I know many of you would like to be married. So that's a good desire. And I believe that as we pray, God, God's will be done. There will be some that will be married. We'll see that. It'll come to pass. But the point is, that's a good desire for you as a young person. If you're young and still able to do that, God would encourage you to do that in his word. He goes back and just kind of summarizes there. If any unbelieving man or woman has widows, let him relieve them and do not let the church be burdened that it may relieve those who are really widows. Again, that's just that. Listen, if you're a believer and you have the ability, you're taking care of, of, of widows, don't look to unload them on the church. If you have, some of you may have family members. Some of you may have ministry that you're doing even within the church. We've seen that. We're, Someone comes alongside and helps someone for a season. The Bible says, keep doing that. As God's given you the resources to do that, do that. So that the church doesn't have to be burdened with that. Don't look, oh, you know, talk to the pastor. You know, uh, Look to serve. Look, if you have resources, we're not talking about you know what you don't have, but if you have an opportunity to help a brother or sister, you know, we encourage that. We would come alongside one another. There's something that we can do as a church, yeah, then we will get behind it as a church. And we are behind some of those types of ministries, orphanages and, and uh, ministries that, that we know are serving in poor countries and things like that. So practical things on how to conduct ourselves within the family, family of God, and good practical things for us as well. And just we see the heart of God. That's what I love about the Bible, that's what I love about Paul and the Word of God. There's this great passion and, and, and love. 
there's also this just kind of nuts and bolts practical, you know, make it work. You know, that's not all spiritual kind of, you know, goosebumpy. You know, oh, you know, we wisp in and out of the church. There's, you know, there's just, hey, you know, hey, bills, <laughs> hey, take care of mom. You know, what's wrong with you guys? You know, just practical. Conduct yourselves in the church. Just, just you know, even people outside the church have common sense to do these, do some things. So we ought to be uh, doing those things in the church as well. Yes, we're spiritual. Yes, we're alive by the power of God. Yes, we're praying and looking for God to move in the miraculous. But we also want to be common sense with what God's given us. Be stupid stewards of the resources that we have, and take care of one another as spiritual family and natural. Amen. All right, let me close this in prayer. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the inspiration that it gives to our hearts. We're challenged tonight, Lord, to be like our Heavenly Father. And you say of yourself, God, that you are a defender of the weak, that you have a watchful eye for the orphan, for the widow, for the stranger. God, may we have that same heart in us as a church, and it starts, Lord, in us as individuals. Give us the compassion that you have, Lord, for the needs around us. Lord, even in our own church, even among us here tonight, may we not let anyone go uncared for. May there not be anyone hurting or in need beyond measure, Lord, that we don't feel and hurt with them. Give us that kind of care, one for another, Lord, because that's your heart. And we want to be like our Father in heaven. We want to have that same spirit stirring in us. Lord. So we thank you for that instruction. We ask that you would quicken that in us, make it alive in us as well. Lord, we also thank you just for the practical guidelines that your scripture give us on how to be good stewards of resources that we have as a church. And it also speaks to us as families, just good stewards of our resources as a family, Lord. We need to take care of one another. Parents for children, children for parents. There needs to be uh, just that duty looked after, Lord, especially in the household of God, especially amongst Christian families, and Christian parents and children. So, Lord, we thank you for these things. We also pray, Lord, for ministry that would rise up in the heart of of uh, those older women amongst amongst us, Lord, that you would put in them a desire to serve and the capacity to serve, Lord, that they would come alongside younger women in the church, mentoring some of the younger mothers, some of the younger women, Lord. God, we, we need that. The older need to give counsel to the younger. And so we pray, Lord, that that would be alive in our midst as well, that you would stir that up as well. And for the younger women, Lord, in our church, some may be uh, widowed, some may be divorced, Lord, but they're, they're just, some of them are here tonight, and I know in their hearts they have a desire to be married, to be part of a family again. I pray, God, that you would, in your time, and according to your plan, that you would grant that desire, that you would give grace until such time, Lord, for them to be faithful. We do pray. For those among us here even tonight, Lord, that are that are struggling to make it. I, I know, Lord, of single moms. I know of single grandmoms, Lord. I know that there are people among us that are that are doing their best. And God, I pray that you would help, that you would bless, that you would 
send the right people in their lives and that they would be uh, helped by the church and by those that are here in the church, God, that you would help us to be a family and to uh, take care of one another. We ask these things in Jesus' name.